Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Week five of The Road to Cove, and this week we're talking about hills. Like them or hate them, they are a fact of life if you're planning on taking on a race like Sonia O'Sullivan's Cove 10. Today, the world champion, Olympic silver medalist, joins me again to discuss how to get up and over those humps in the best possible condition. Sonia, you're back in America. How was your Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, actually, it was not bad. It's probably the first time I've seen the Super Bowl in a long time. <laughs> Accidentally. Watch the whole I- thing? Um... I waited for the halftime show. I was in Seattle with Sophie and we were kind of, it was not a very nice day. And I was one, we were trying to figure out what to do. And then they had Super Bowl on in the house. So I said, oh, we'll check this out. And then of course you said, oh, we'll wait for the halftime show. And then the lead changed. Yeah. It got exciting. So it would have been a reason to stay. Yeah. One of the most exciting Super Bowls ever, maybe. But when you're driving from, Seattle to Portland it takes three hours and I my thinking is everybody's probably in watching the Super Bowl now (laughs) I'll go yeah good time to drive yeah (laughs) well you missed one for the ages it seems like it's been the most exciting Super Bowl ever I don't have much of an interest in it but Uh, the problem is you have no idea what's going on you know you're just watching the scores change and it's exciting (laughs) for that but you don't know why (laughs) yeah yeah Taylor Swift seems happy I guess that means the Chiefs are winning. Uh, in case you guys missed it, Sonia has handpicked a gang of listeners from around the world to coach for this year's Ballymore Cove 10-mile road race. That's Sonia's hometown, the homecoming dance at Cove 10 miles. And this past week, you assigned the squad their first proper hill repeat session. Sonia, would you call it that? Talk us, talk us about the impact of that kind of a session and how helpful that will be to them on the big day yeah well i mean there's no avoiding hills is for sure but even if you're not training for a hilly race hills are beneficial because mm. especially now a lot of people are so focused on on time and pace um and so you're always running in a constant rhythm of you know just on the flat and oftentimes just on the road so you're constantly doing the same movement over and over again Whereas when you change things up by either going to a different surface or going to a hill, then all of a sudden you start to use different muscles and important muscles, you know, that we need um, to help us to run better. Um, mm. Otherwise, otherwise those muscles in your glutes and, you know, the, your, your hamstrings and your quads, they get a little bit lazy if the variation of the elevation isn't changed. So it's a good idea to wake them up every now and then. And another another good way to do that is to go to, like I discovered myself last week, if you go to Pilates and Pilates Reformer, and if you haven't been there for a long time, you can be very sore afterwards, like you've run up and down a bunch of hills. <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, your body is going, what's going on here? Uh, I, de- I definitely had a similar experience here. I'm in Kilkenny. I'm recording this from Kilkenny after two shows at the Set Theatre here in Langton. Shout out to everybody that came out for those shows, had to do my long run around here in Kilkenny, surprisingly hilly. And I totally agree that parts of my body are sorer now than they would be on a normal kind of flattish long run. 
Is including them, though, in your long run the way to go or doing what you've done here this week in the plan, actually isolating them to one day? What's the best way to incorporate them into your week? Um, well, you can do both is probably a good idea. You know, I mean, it's it's nice to introduce them on their own and to have so you can run up a hill and then you jog or walk back down and then you run up the hill again. So you just concentrate on a, a small section of a hill. Um, and, you know, that can get you prepared for hills in a race as well, because you don't worry or think about the hill until you get to it. And then you think, OK, right, I just got to get up this hill now. I'm going to focus on it. And then once we're at the top, then I'll start thinking about the rest of the race. So it's a method of kind of compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing things into mm. smaller little bite-sized chunks that you can manage. Yeah. And then even when you do have a hill that you might break that up into three pieces, which I normally used to do when I did hills, if, particularly if they were hills that were about a minute long. You would, when you're out there and if you're doing it in a certain section, you might say, okay, a third of it is to the three. And then a third, it kind of levels out a bit. And then the final third, it, it goes up again. And just in your mind, you take the steps so that it's not just one big thing and it's overwhelming, but you break it down into small manageable pieces. And then you get better at doing all those pieces. And then when they come together, your total hill is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you've always been talking about manageable chunks. And I guess it is the only way to approach any of this training is the thought of, well, I can only do one run at a time, one step at a time, one hill at a time. Uh, and certainly with the busyness at the moment, I'm sure everybody with kids will know what I'm talking about. Midterm break at the moment. It can just be this sense of, oh, God, the last thing I need now <laughs> is to have to go and do this run. Uh, but but feeling it as a as a just just one run, it's just one chunk of the week is probably the best way to mentally approach it. And I guess in what you're saying is that there's a wider extension to that, that uh, compartmentalization to all running. Yeah, and then the thing is when you then extend out and take the hills out of their little sections and into a long run, then you know, then you kind of think, oh, it's, it's, they won't be that hard. They're just in my run. I'm just running easy. But then you realize mm. that hills are hard no matter what pace you do them. And sometimes yeah. they're harder when you run them slower because it takes longer to get up It takes there. longer. <laughs> yeah. One thing I looked up this week and I wanted to run this by you was – the idea, because we want to talk about technique, because people are so afraid of hills, uh, uh, and they tend to do weird shit when they're doing hills. They'll, you know, lean into it. They'll stand up unusually tall, or lean back even, or start taking gigantic long strides. One piece of advice I looked up this week in preparation for this episode was the kind of Fred Flintstone method of going up the hill. I don't know if you've heard of this, but uh, if you remember Fred Flintstone in the classic Flintstone cartoon, driving his car around using his feet through the floor. Yes. Uh, spinning, yeah, spinning his feet around in a circle. That, that was the mental image that this coach suggested you take to going up the hill. That just as you would on a bicycle and you put it down into the gear one, your feet are spinning around a lot faster uh, but the hill doesn't feel as hard. So the suggestion from this coach was shorter steps 
at, on the front of your foot, up nice and high, Fred Flintstoning your feet as you go up. Obviously, that's an over-dramatization of what they're asking you to do, but shorter steps, more steps, uh, slightly quicker steps was, was the suggestion. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, that's exactly what I've written down here. Lean into the hill. So, you, you know, just go with it, go with the flow and short, fast steps. So quick right. turnover. And I, maybe maybe people should go and have a look at Fred Flintstone. <laughs> you know, he's going. Then they get that visualization in their head and they'll be yeah. like, okay, got this. <laughs> well, I gave it a go. Like I gave it a go this week and I did have a yabba dabba in my head as I was heading up the hill. And I have to say it worked. We're going to get the voices of our, our squad members in today's episode. And the first one we're going to hear from is Brian Lunny, who has a question about running hills. Hey, Jar and Sonia. This is uh, Brian here. Um, just finished uh, the long run here on week three. Uh, it went really well and really enjoyed the, um, the, the past week. It's been, weather's been good and it's been great to get out and do a few nice long runs, uh, particularly the, the session on Wednesday. Really enjoyed that. Um, I suppose what I like with the plan so far is, you know, obviously there's up to six days running in the plan, but you can really pick and mix it as your own situations require. Um, so for me, I'm doing four days a week at the moment and doing two days recovery with some strength and conditioning. And I find that that's uh, been working well so far. Um, so this week as well, I did start running uh, to heart rate, uh, which is the first time I've done that. And I'm kind of curious to see how that will benefit me over the, the coming weeks. I suppose I did have one question on heart rate running and particularly when it comes to hills. I know Sonny would always say, you know, we don't run up the hill, we run over the hill. And I t completely agree with that. But I'm just wondering in terms of the heart rate, would you be better off letting the heart rate increase a little bit going up the hill and trying to keep the pace relatively constant? Or is it better to drop the pace back and keep the heart rate in the target zone? Um, I suppose I'm interested to hear Sonny and your own thoughts on that. Yeah, really good question, isn't it, Sonia? His question relates to both heart rate and pace. What is our target here? Well, I think when you're going up hills, if you're doing a hill session, you definitely have to forget about heart rate because it's the one session where your heart rate will be high, especially the longer you go up the hill, the longer the hills are. Um, it's one of those tests that people do sometimes. They say if you're trying to test your lactate threshold, they have this hill repetition set um, to try and get your heart rate up as high as you can because it's one way of doing it when you do mm. even when you do a test on a treadmill they start to increase the elevation because it helps to raise your heart rate quicker because otherwise you run out of time and you can't maintain the high pace for a long enough time to get to the threshold level so sure. they have to fake it a little bit and increase the, the elevation so if you're doing a session i would say ignore the heart rate ignore the pace and you just got to go for it. And it, it basically is up the hill as fast as you can. As fast um, as you can. That was another question Neil Fusco asked. Is it eyeballs out, as you've said in the past, or is it is it always only ever 90%? Well, I mean, when you're going up a hill, you can only go so fast. Mm. So if you're doing hill repeats, I can't remember. How long were the hills? Um, and one minute uphill. Yeah, a minute uphill. One like, minute, yes. Um, that's a fair amount. So it's I mean, a fair hill, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's definitely where you need to break it down, and you know you can't go all out the first fifty meters, but you want to be trying to go as hard as you can. You're reaching for that finish line mm. when it's when you're in the final third of the effort. So you know, I mean, you can't go all out for a minute on the flat. You can't go a hundred percent. So 
it's a bit like balancing your effort over the minute and how you do that, whether it's on the flat or up a hill, then you have to figure it out. So normally what I would do when I'm doing something like a minute uphill is, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to a minute totally running up a hill. Like some, you can have about 10 seconds at the bottom where you run into it or 10 seconds at the top where you run out of it, you know, so that then you have 40 seconds in the middle as the actual hill. But you're, feel, you're feeling the fatigue of the hill either way or you're running into it. So you're getting a good momentum going before you actually hit the hill. And, you know, that's a good thing to do is when you get to the top of a hill in a race or an event is you don't stop at the top, but you run over the top. Mm, like Brian said, yeah. Does I that mean? That, I think John Tracy t- said this to me years ago. Was that, um, you know, to run to the top of the hill and over the top. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's like one of those things that always sticks with you when you running, when you find a hill in a race, um, or even when you're out for a run, you find a hill, you can, okay, run over the top of it. And so it's kind of, you run whatever lactic or, you know, energy sapping, whatever you're feeling when you get to the top of the hill, you don't just take a big sigh of relief and stop and, you know, lose yeah. all momentum, but you, you continue to Fred Flintstone it and turn the legs yeah. over until you feel back normal running again because when you get to the top of the hill you can feel I don't feel like I can't run it's like your legs go to jelly sometimes mm-hmm. and you have to get shake all that out of it and get them running properly again um so that's yeah, if you, yeah. you do hill repetitions then your body is you know getting used to that and so then you feel better the next time you do it and you know then when you're in a race like in Cove and you're going up that hill before you go along the flat road from the sea then you know it's once up and over and then we keep going well later on in the show we'll have the king of the hills ricky Wynn, joining me for a sit down chat if you're a patron of this podcast you will of course hear the full conversation with ricky over on patreon.com forward slash irishman abroad but if not here is a little taster of this really enjoyable conversation i got into obstacle course racing first so i was doing like they were huge at the time so you had the ocr leagues you had tough mother you had loads of these kind of events all around the country and in other countries i thought they'd be just a fun thing to do always a fan of the gym when i played football and i was always climbing trees and stuff like that when i was a kid so i thought look this this could be fun and my two brothers were doing it as well so we were all doing it as family of three and then we just entered a couple of races and then I realized, you know, if I do this and I train properly for this, I could do well in this. I got asked to go over to a race in Nottingham and that was a 12 hour event. And it was, I think it was like a five mile loop. And then in that loop, there might've been like 60 obstacles in it. And you just had to keep going around this loop at nighttime and you had to keep going for 12 hours. When I finished like me and my younger brother, we finished in the top 10. Unbelievable achievement, whatever. But what we took from it was we just ran for 12 hours. That was so <laughs> And that was it. I was like, going, all right, now I, now I need to find out what, what this is. And I found out about ultra running and that was it. I was I, I entered an ultra run, ultra marathon. And, and from then on, I was hooked on it. That, that was... Right. Obviously, Mary Devara is putting everybody through their paces at Ballymore Cove AC uh, this week. Sonia, I should give a quick shout out to those of you that haven't signed up for the race yet. It is, of course, taking place in Cove on 
April 7th, Sunday, April 7th, you need to search it at eventmaster.ie. Uh, entry is just 25 euro and that includes the mug, the mug of champions, the Sonia Sullivan mug. Uh, there is the hat, the medal itself, and these beautiful half zip tops available. Or, or I should say that this race is a fundraiser for breakthrough cancer research and the further development of Ballymore Cove's AC, AC's juvenile facilities and Ireland's future athletes. It, it is a kind of uh, the AGM of people that enjoy this podcast and fans of Sonia O'Sullivan. Uh, let's bring in one more uh, member of the squad here. Jimmy McGibney probably has the most interesting week of anyone, uh, including uh, falling, bursting himself and running a PB. Hi, Jarlathan, Sonia, Jimmy McGivney here. I'm recording this on Sunday, not too long after doing the John Tracy 10 mile in Dungarvan. I definitely ran with an extra spring in my step today, thanks to the general buzz from being in the squad and all the support from people in the squad. Delighted with my time. I, I guess it's a bit of a benchmark for Cove, although I need to start thinking about hills now. The, the highlight of the day was, was meeting with the legend that is Adele Buckley from the squad out on the route about 11 kilometres at a point where I definitely needed a boost and meeting Adele certainly uh, provided that boost. It, it's actually been quite a roller coaster for me the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was super excited there just under three weeks ago to find out I was part of the squad. And then the first weekend after that, I took a nasty uh, tumble. I took a slip on wet ground and I ended up in A&E with smashed glasses and a fine gash in my forehead that had to be patched up. And then last weekend, I had to abandon a run as my knee got really sore and I just couldn't run on it. And then after a couple of anti-inflammatories and a couple of days off, somehow got a PB this weekend. So I credit the squad and all the support from you all for getting that. So uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely brilliant to hear that from Jimmy McGibney, Sonia. Uh, everyone is saying this about the unity of the squad and how being part of the group is 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 elevating them and their and their running. You're now back at Union Athletic. You know all about this. What is it about that sense that we're all in it together that helps people to train better? Yeah, well, we're just getting to the point now where we're all coming back together this week. We were, you know, I, I, I suppose I got back to, you know, be here when everybody starts to come back. Um, man, um, a number of the athletes have been away at a training camp in Phoenix, Arizona, and then they were running races in Boston and New York last weekend and um and again this weekend it's kind of heading towards the end of the indoor season over here um so i'm here with a few of the athletes who have not been running this season and um yeah it's kind of as as each new person comes back you know it's it, it it's an addition to the group it's a new energy um you know to get everybody motivated and you know wanting to work together and help each other out i suppose it's it's kind of bringing new blood in, you know, when someone's been away and they come back in, it's like a new person to talk to and mm -hmm. um, new energy. And everybody's got their own little personality and their own little quirks and things that they bring that um, all add to the group and, and make it interesting. Yeah. And I guess that you don't feel like you're on your own. And as much as so much of the training prior to that, joining a, a big club like this, you must feel by yourself. When you went to Villanova, I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, you'd obviously grown up running these hills of cove that you have everybody preparing for. Did you ever get a sense in the squad that you were more at ease with the idea of hill repeats and training around Philadelphia? 
than these girls who probably came from much more flatter environments? Um, I never really thought about it. I mean, I suppose the big thing for me when I went to Villanova was um, I just wanted to, because I had done so much training by myself, I just was excited to go and train with other people who would be, you know, operating at a similar level and just having mm. people to meet every day. And, you know, that's what we did as a as a team. And I see it now with, um, with Sophie's team in, in Washington is, you know, they have a fixed time where they meet most days. And, you know, not every day is a session day or a long run day, but even on the in-between days. And I was asking Sophie this last night. I said, so Monday now is like a normal day. What do you do? And she said, oh, you know, we still meet. And, and I can remember we used to meet at um, one o'clock every day um, with our coach, Marty Stern. And he'd have a little piece of white card and he'd have on like five or six notes and different things that he'd have written down throughout the day that he had to talk to us about. And to, you know, so that was your meeting. You were meeting just to meeting. kind of bring everybody together to see how everybody is. And then if it wasn't a session day, then you'd all just disperse and you might do your own thing or, you know, one or two or two or three would head off on a run together. So it was kind of a free day, but at the same time, you weren't all alone you still got to come and check in and yeah. see how everybody was and you know beautiful you, beautiful you, you do need that i think so you know i suppose that's the, the that's slight, what the whatsapp is for these guys i was going to say that's the slight difference with us is that we because everybody's scattered all over the place but when you do have now i mean back then in the in the 80s and 90s we didn't have whatsapp or anything like that you actually had to physically turn up all the time whereas now you <laughs> Now you can kind of turn up in a virtual group and get the feedback and the energy that you need to um, get you out on the run. And, you know, sometimes to, you know, make sure that you go out and run you because you feel like you're held accountable because you want to be able to check in and share your run with everybody else. And even if it's a run that you're not looking forward to or you're putting off like the satisfaction that you feel when you do it, to be able to share that with people who care is, you know, that's a really satisfying thing for people. And that's why you should all join that Strava group. As I say, we have the Irishman Running Abroad Strava group, but there's also the one specifically for Cove, where you can follow the plan that we post there every week. And just like the actual squad members who Sonia is dealing with personally, you can actually follow the plan and feel that togetherness. That's exactly what Daniel O'Hare has been feeling this week. Let's hear a little from him. Hi, Charlotte. Danny O'Hare here checking in. I finished my long run and it's going really well. That's my first 50K week in uh, well over three years since the last time I was doing any real decent amount of running. I was thinking back to week number one when I was asked what my ambitions for the race were and I set quite a, a lofty target of a time goal and I realized that the reason I did that was because I thought that would provide me with motivation and what I didn't foresee was just how much motivation comes from the accountability of following a session and also the camaraderie within the group. So really looking forward to week four to see what has in store. Take care. We should talk, Sonia, a little bit about the dreadful news that rocked the athletics world, the sudden death of Kelvin Kiptoom, somebody we've spoken about on this podcast before. He and his coach killed in a tragic car accident. Sonia, this is just such a sad piece of news, not least because he was only 24 and had the world at his feet. 
Yeah, I mean, it was hard to believe. I the first I heard of it was when you sent me a message yesterday. Um, it was kind of, I think, early afternoon, my time. I had just come back from a walk. And um, so I hadn't been looking at my phone for a good hour and a half. So, yeah, absolutely shocking, you know, to, to receive that news and, you know, to see, you know, the impact he had on so many people in the running world and, you know, mm. the the great expectation, you know, that everybody had for him um, and a lot of respect. So, yeah, very, very sad, you know, when something just ends so quickly like that. Yeah. And also with his, his like, I know it's not the most important thing, but this guy was about to make the first proper attempt break two hours for the marathon in Rotterdam. He literally had done so much in such a short period of time, just 24 years old. It did also make me wonder that, you, you know, grief and uh, moving through these very dark periods uh, for people that are out there trying to train who are coping with, you know, emotional turmoil, do you have any advice for those people that might be finding it hard because of stuff like this that's happening in their lives that they're just finding it difficult to just, what's the point? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it does seem that running helps a lot of people when they're in a grief type of situation where it just gets them away from the, the thinking about things that, you know, you can't get out of your head. And mm. you know, every now and then, yeah, you, the thoughts will enter your head if you're out for a run by yourself, maybe. Generally, it's a bit of an escape to go and run. You find with a lot of people, they, they use running as their escape away from the reality, I suppose, of, of the world and things, you know, that they're finding difficult to get through. Um, so I suppose while you're sitting down inside and thinking about things and if people are having problems, you know, the best thing you can do is to go outside and get moving. Yeah. Just, you know, not have it all contained in a small space, but to go outside and just appreciate everything that's all around and, and use that to kind of escape. And, and you do, you know, it, it's people then feel guilty because they think they're escaping and they should be, you know, thinking a bit more about things or dwelling more on things. But sometimes we all need an escape to go out and just be away from everything and just, you know, turn the phone off or put it away for a bit of time while you're out there and just, you know, be, be at peace in nature somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. God, I've turned off an awful lot of beeps and blips since moving to this heart rate training. I, I really do find not having the, those beeps, as you say, they just, it brings you back to what this is and that uh, lovely centered feeling of just your breath and the sound of your feet. Um, thoughts and prayers to anybody who knew Calvin, to his family, to his friends, and to anybody in the running community who uh, feels any way triggered by this at all. You didn't make it to the Melrose Games this past weekend. But there were a few great performances from Irish runners there, including a third place for Mark English in the men's 800. Big story of the weekend, Sonia had to be Sarah Healy smashing her second Irish indoor record in the space of seven days, finishing fifth in the 1500 World Indoor uh, Tour meeting in France on Saturday. Four minutes, three seconds, 83, knocks a full three seconds off Kira McGean's time set in 2020. Are we watching the beginnings of a rivalry here between these two girls, which, or would you even 
like to enter that discussion at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even it goes back a good few years. I think there was an 800 meter race in Belfast and Sarah Healy, I think at the time she was like just maybe right behind Kira McGeehan. I mean, if we mm. go back, she might have been even right in front of her, but she was definitely very competitive with her when she was still a junior. So, yeah, absolutely. I think Sarah has definitely found a training group that works for her and she's been having some amazing results. She's been training with um, coaches Trevor Painter and um, who is the coach of Keely Hodgkinson, who's, you know, been one of the top three 800 meter runners in the world at world level and Olympic level the past few years. So, you know, Sarah, she's training with one of the girls who's, you know, out there, you know, always challenging to win the 800 meter. And, you know, when you're training with athletes at that high level, you just gain a lot of confidence and belief in yourself. Mm. I think Sarah, she's always been a talented athlete from a very young age. Um, but she did lack a lot of experience, a lot of, you know, confidence and belief in herself for a number of years. And she's found that now. Um, and I think, you know, the times, you know, is great. But I think the fact that she's being competitive in races is the more important thing. And, you know, that she was so close to getting to the final last year at the World Championships that, you know, then you start to believe that you belong. So I think, yeah, we're going to expect some great things um, from Sarah Healy um, over the next few years. And Kira McGeehan, she'll definitely be, you know, fighting to hold on to her position as the number one Irish girl, woman <laughs> over um, 1,500 metres. So, yeah, exciting times ahead. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch. I want to give a quick shout out here to two members of our group, Jermuth and uh, Noel, who both went up to Dundalk this past weekend for the National Cross Country uh, Championships. Uh, both ran really well. Super finish from Noel to get under 33 minutes and they're going very, very soft, uh, heavy in places, as uh, horse racing would say, very tacky ground, it said. So that's an extra achievement to do it in, in those conditions shout out to the two lads for a great performance apparently there's a bunch of og irishmen running abroad heading to the dunboyne 10k i might have to head over to that myself it's only down the road for me uh if you want to uh, find that easy just go to the dunboyne ac page or search dunboyne 10k it is also the national 10k championships i think now uh, and lads are coming from everywhere for this one. So make sure to sign up after the break over on Patreon. As I said, Ricky Wynn joins me for a conversation. So if I have to run 20 kilometers tomorrow and I'm down fitting solar panels on a roof in Killarney and I check into a hotel after doing 10 hours on the roof and I haven't a clue where I am, somebody will often text me, they saw me that I was down in, Killarney on, on Strava or something. And they say, oh, how come you didn't go up here? Or how come you didn't go up and do that run on that mountain there? And I'd be thinking, because I didn't have time to do that. The only thing I had to do was run 20K. So I just walked out of the hotel and I ran 10K one way. I turned around and I ran 10K back the other way. I don't care where I'm running in my training. I just know that I need to do this amount today and this many minutes and this many hours. So I'm going to do that no matter how boring or how, you know, not mm. fun it is. I'm just You're going to get show that up. done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm also going to ask Sonia about what she makes 
of Parkrun deleting all of the records of their page. It's a it's a huge move and it's caused an awful lot of uh, upsetment and different feelings. We'll hear a lot more as well from the squad. Uh, loads of great voice notes and guidance on this week's upcoming plan. You can get guidance from Sonia over there on how to approach what she set out for us this week. That's over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. And for our free listeners, good luck. Sonia, thanks so much for this half of the show. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress.